This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, on December the 23rd, 1996, a body was found in West Cork. It was the body of Sophie Tuscan de Plantier, a French woman who had a holiday home in a remote part of West Cork. She had been the victim of a brutal attack uh, and it was... The following morning at 10 a.m. when her body was first found, she had been badly beaten to death. Uh, this crime has never been solved and it has been one of the most uh, notorious crimes and intriguing uh, in many ways that we've seen ever in this country. There have been a number of documentaries made about it. A very successful podcast, Jim Sheridan, former Oscar-nominated director made his own documentary, a television documentary about it. And our guest this morning, Mick Clifford, special correspondent of the Irish Examiner, went to Paris in 2019, where Ian Bailey, a freelance journalist from uh, the area in West Cork, was sentenced to 25 years in prison. He was sentenced in absentia because the Irish authorities would not extradite him to France uh, on uh, legal advice. Mick went to that trial, which was, I think we'll find out, um, a bit of a farce. And Mick joins us now. Mick, thank you very much for joining us, because it was announced this weekend that the Gardaí are going to do what's called a cold case review of this West Cork murder, which means uh, on the recommendation of uh, John O'Driscoll, the assistant commissioner who is retiring, he is the person most responsible for tackling organized crime successfully, CAB, the Kinahan cartel, and all of the rest of them. He is retiring, but he made one recommendation before he retired. He suggested the cold case team be assigned to identify lines of inquiry that may have been missed by the original team. Mick, this is a lingering 
notoriety, if you like, particularly around uh, Ian Bailey, who is a, a former journalist, and uh, we'll come to him. It's unsolved. And let's just start with the trial in absentia that you attended in Paris, where Bailey was sentenced to 25 years in prison. That was a highly unsatisfactory event, wasn't it? Yes, Damon, I think that's very fair to say. I mean, you know, there has been what you might call suspicion, perhaps, swirling around Ian Bailey, or there certainly was in the early days. He was arrested um, in January, early January um, 1997, some weeks after Mr. Plantier's body was found. And he quickly, I think, I don't know exactly who's responsible, but he quickly became identified as the chief suspect following that arrest. And I, I think that the morning after he was released, he actually... Uh, was on the radio identifying him as such, I think, on a program Pat Kenny used to have on RT1. So, I mean, from then on, there was, no, there was a number of developments then over the years that suggested that the investigation that effectively identified him as the chief suspect was highly flawed. Um, and we can deal with various aspects of that, including a very crucial um, analysis by somebody in the DPP's office in 2001. Yes. Notwithstanding that, because the DPP in this country had decided on more than one occasion that the evidence was not there to prosecute, an investigation was opened by the French under an ancient Napo Napoleonic law that they could investigate at the death of a French citizen abroad. The culmination of all of that was, as you said, a trial in 2019 in Paris. And I attended there along with a few other Irish journalists. And I think, as you said, Eamon, uh, there was something, I, I don't know whether it's fair to call it farcical, but it was certainly highly unsatisfactory. What we had was um, evidence that was secondhand, that was what would be considered hearsay yes. in this country and various um, conclusions drawn and that type of thing. And to my eyes at the time, it appeared more like what you might call a confirmatory hearing on guilt rather than a trial to see whether the evidence pointed towards the guilt of an individual. Following that, as you say, that, that was conducted, by the way, over the course of four days. There was a... a a verdict then after the three judges considered it for a number of hours and then handed down a 25-year sentence. Since then, there was an attempt on the basis of that verdict by the French to have him extradited. That, by the way, was the third time they attempted to have him extradited, albeit in 2019. On this occasion, they then had what they considered a guilty verdict in a murder trial. The High Court here rejected that once more. Yes. Uh, so that was the culmination of that process. Now, there were some reasons why Bailey was uh, a suspect in the first instance. One of them was from a woman. I think she was she owned a, a small shop in uh, Skull and she had been having an affair, actually. And she was in this remote area where this murder took place. And she identified Bailey. She subsequently changed her mind on that. There was also questions about the behavior of the police. Frank Buttimer is a very good solicitor uh, in the area and he has defended uh, Bailey. But there were other things. For example, there were scratches on his hands and his face, which he said he got from plucking 
a turkey and putting up a Christmas tree. But the key, I suppose, witness was Jules Thomas, who is now Bailey's former girlfriend. They were in a long-term relationship. They were partners. And she gave in Bailey an alibi for the night. Now, uh, the way this was presented in uh, Sunday Times at the weekend, the headline was Bailey's ex to aid cold case review of West Cork murder. The inference being that she was now going to give evidence, new evidence. But these circumstantial matters are sort of negated by certain other things that happened, such as Bailey going uh, to a police station, offering his blood uh, and offering to do a DNA test at the time. Yeah, and I I think it's also fair to say that, you know, um, there's a number of reasons why this cold case review is being conducted, including contact from Mr. Plantier's son, uh, Jean... Um, Pierre-Louis, uh, who, who's looking for a further investigation on the basis of failure to extradite him. But it's also the case that Ian Bailey has written to yes. the Garda Commissioner asking for a new investigation on the basis, as he sees it, that he wants to clear his name. It should be stated, as you said, Eamon, any evidence that there was against him, and we must always remember that the DPP has decided on a number of occasions that whatever evidence there was, it did not come anywhere near a threshold to bring charges. But any such evidence that might have been suggested that he was involved was entirely circumstantial. There was absolutely no um, forensic evidence to that effect. And of that circumstantial evidence, without one element, I'd suggest that it would be entirely flimsy altogether. And that element is the evidence of the woman you mentioned, Maria Farrell. Yes. And initially, she claimed that on the night of the murder at a place called Keelfada Bridge, which is about a mile and a half, I think, from where Mr. Plantier's holiday home was, and pretty much, I, I went, two years ago there, I, I followed the trail around, so it's pretty much the same from where Ian Bailey was living at the time. But she claims, initially, that on the night in question, she saw an individual there who matched Ian Bailey's description at two in the morning. As you said, the circumstances were, I think she said she, she was meeting a man, as they say in, in ancient parlance, who was not her husband. Um, <laughs> and, and that, that, that was one of the reasons she didn't want to come forward. No, even within that, there were issues because initially she described a man, I think who was about five foot nine or 10. And subsequently this grew because Mr. Bailey happens to be six foot two. And this man also the long black coat and what have you. And that seems to have been a catalyst for the Gardaí yes. finger, Mr. Bailey. Now, move that forward. 2002, there's a libel action by, taken by Mr. Bailey against eight newspapers in court, circuit court. That was some, ex there was explosive evidence in that from Maria Farrell and others that, uh, albeit this is a civil course, court, there was explosive evidence that what you might say could, could be considered as having uh, been part of a case that could have been um, raised against Mr. Bailey. But her evidence was crucial in that and she repeated that thing of seeing the person she suspected was Mr. Bailey. Within a couple of years, she had completely changed her evidence. Yeah, and she I, said... Did she say yeah, she, that she had been pressured by the guards? Yeah, that, that was her change of uh, mind. Now, take into account, 
She had, of her own free will and in some detail, given evidence under oath to a different effect, and now she was saying that that evidence was effectively a pack of lies. Um, so immediately an issue arises about her credibility. Now, she is also in the frame, uh, in the current um, layout, as you might have it, in that she, following the two documentaries we had recently, she's reportedly come forward and now states that she did see an individual at Kielfada Bridge, but the description now matches somebody whom she says may be associated with Mr. Plantier's late husband, yes. or at least be uh, from from France in some capacity or other. So, you, you know, you'd have to say by any standards, uh, on the basis of her various declarations, that Miss Farrell, whatever else one may say, and she may be a perfectly upstanding individual, but the, the, the credibility of her evidence on the basis of the various positions she's taken uh, is, is not very good by any standards. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a It's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Now, Mick, one of the turning points in all of this mystery was the libel cases that uh, Bailey took against the eight newspapers. He lost, and that was almost taken as being guilt by failure to prove libel had been committed against him. It was certainly a setback, and we must remember we're going back 25, 26 years here, so he is an odd bod, Bailey. I don't know if you've, have you interviewed him or spoken oh, to him? Oh, I have him? a number of times, yeah. And I, when I say he's an odd bod, everyone's entitled to be eccentric in a certain kind of way. 
But you could argue that Frank Butterbur, his solicitor, has saved him from himself. It must be said, though, he did turn up at Abandon Garda Station when he was first mentioned in relation to this, and he gave his fingerprints, he had a DNA test, and there was, there is, there was no forensic evidence that would convict him. But then again, one of the key pieces of evidence is uh, that Miss de Plantier was murdered when a concrete block was dropped on her head. That concrete block is still in possession of Angarda uh, and may well be a factor now in terms of DNA or whatever. Yeah, there's definitely something that I mean, um, it should also be said that, um, and I have to just, you, you, you mentioned that, and the circumstances of the poor woman's death. I mean, in that trial in Paris, um, they, they, they put up on the screen, on the screen there in the courtroom, photographs of the scene and of Mr. Plantier's body. Now, these are the kind of photographs that normally in a murder trial in this country, and I've yes. attended many of those, you know, the public don't see, they're just handed over to the jury. But I have to say it was chilling, shocking, the, the sight of the woman's body and, and the condition um, that whomever assaulted her had left her in. It, it was really yes. appalling. Uh, but at, from that scene, there was also a gate. Now, you know, a standard corrugated iron gate, you'd see them there as you're driving along the country, entry into uh, fields and what have you. That gate somehow disappeared in Garda custody. Really? Someone said, oh, how do you lose a gate? But anyway, that's one of, of a number of, of anomalies in the case. But overall, the, the, um, the forensic element of things, now notwithstanding huge advances in DNA since 1996, there's no indication as of yet that uh, forensically there will be anything in this cold case review that might be, so to speak, a smoking gun or, or, or whatever. Uh, it's possible, but from everything I can determine at the moment, it doesn't seem very likely. I think perhaps the, the investigating Gardaí are placing more store and more hope in somebody coming forward um, with some new evidence. Now, one issue around that, um, cold case reviews happen. We've seen them happen here and in other jurisdictions. And when they do turn up something, it's major news because you're yes. talking about something new after 20, 25 years. And suddenly this happens. And there have been convictions in this jurisdiction as a result of that. However, as, a, as against that, in this case, you have to remember, this is not something that happened 26 years ago now, and there's investigation, and that was the end of it, and we heard no more for 26 years. In various guises, this has been parsed and examined by civil courts, by uh, the French authorities, by the DPP, going over it again and again, by a, a, a very detailed assessment from the DPP's office. So, on the whole... I would suggest that that probably makes it less likely of a breakthrough. However, there is no doubt that there are situations whereby something new does come to light. And as I say, in this instance, I'd suggest that the Guardia are relying on it being some individual somewhere who may not have come forward or who may not have thought it was necessary to come forward or that they had nothing to add to the picture. Uh, I'd suggest that that is the route that the Guardia are placing most store in in attempting to um, to get a result this time around. Yes, and interestingly, the Sunday Times piece by John Mooney on Sunday 
uh, which revealed the cold case review begins with the uh, observation that Jules Thomas, Bailey's former partner and girlfriend, is to, is to assist Gardy in their fresh investigation into the murder. There is another important um, intervention here, Mick. When it appeared uh, likely that he could be extradited because there was a, an extradition case heard in the courts here to examine the feasibility of an extradition, a former director of public prosecutions, Barnes uh, is his name, uh, took the very unusual step of writing a long and detailed letter about the case, warning against extraditing Bailey on the grounds that uh, in the, that DPP's uh, opinion, he was not guilty. Yeah, and this was... I don't and the procedures that, 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 were, that had him where he was were not safe. Yeah, and I, I'm, to be honest with you, there's been so many times, I can't remember, it was the first or second attempt, I think it might have been the first attempt, on, on which the French tried to extradite it, and the High Court assented to the extradition. So yes. you had the scenario then that it looked like uh, Ian Bailey was to be extradited, and was coming before the Supreme Court, and there was that intervention from the former DPP, and around the same time, and from this move, I can't remember whether it originated with that gentleman or how it came to light, but I remember it ended up online, what have you, what came to light was this analysis, a 40-page analysis that had been done by uh, an, an officer or a, a member of the DPP's office, Robert Sheehan was the man's name, back in 2001. Now, this was a very detailed um, analysis of the case. Yes. And in it, he went into some detail in pointing out the various flaws there had been. For example, on the basis he suggested that... Um, that the Gardee had put it about that this man, Mr. Bailey, was a danger and that it was quite possible he would offend again in a violent manner. Now, yes. the DPP, the analysis made the point, you know, when you do that sort of thing, you immediately change a, a mood perhaps in a community and a, a, a willingness among a community to perhaps come forward with something that may not have a lot of credibility. Yes. If, for example, they're under fear of an individual, or whatever, you know, that's just one example. But there was a number of examples there that he went through how the initial investigation had been so flawed. And what I found interesting about it, Eamon, was in one or two places, this lawyer made reference to Mr. Bailey's innocence. Now, that, to me, goes way beyond what a DPP would normally decide yes. on. They decide on whether there's enough evidence to pursue a case. But this really came across in a way that suggested that there was a belief, certainly in this man, that there was no way that this guy could have, could have, um, could have been in the frame. As against that, it has to be said, Senior Gardy have disputed a lot that was in that, but um, the specific rebuttal of some of that wasn't very clear, but there's no doubt that I think that analysis had a huge impact on the public as much as anything. Because remember, the public opinion in this, it has been a very high profile case. And somebody's yes. made a point recently, a very valid point. This was an awful murder of a woman, but there have been numerous other women who've been murdered since for which nobody's been uh, convicted and we haven't concentrated on that. That's more to do with modern culture and what have you, that kind of thing. But it has to be said that um, the public, I think, the public public opinion shifted uh, as a result of that and a few other things along the way. Because back, that libel trial you mentioned, yes. I attended it back in Cork. At that time, 
I think I think it's safe to say that there was there was a, a view among the public that Mr. Bailey was guilty as hell. But we now know that the perceptions and the so-called evidence on which that was based was definitely flawed. Yes. Now, I, I suppose the key to this cold case, or one of the keys, um, this cold case uh, investigation, will be Jules Thomas, uh, the former partner of Ian Bailey. She provided the alibi for the night, an alibi that uh, was cast iron, that Ian Bailey was with her at home and had not travelled the distance and back that, that he would have had to travel to uh, commit this crime. Now, the fact that she and Bailey are no longer uh, partners seems to me to be the most, because they, John Mooney writes in the Sunday Times that she is prepared to assist this uh, cold case uh, re-examination. That seems one interesting and you would think definitive way of establishing whether Bailey could or could not have committed a crime. The other one is the police behavior. There was somebody, a man who was, I think, living on the streets and a homeless man. They were alleged to have given alcohol and cannabis to this man in order to provide damning evidence against Bailey. So the behavior of the police in West Cork may have been questionable as well, and certainly was questioned. Yeah, and I'm just dealing with Miss Thomas, first of all. I mean, it has to be said that she, along with Ian Bailey, she has always said that she'd cooperate with any new investigation. Yes. And uh, uh, if I remember correctly, when Mr. Bailey wrote to the commissioner, he made the point that both of them and their solicitor, um, Frank Butmer, as you mentioned, what, w- would all would all cooperate. Um, there is, as you said, in terms of their personal circumstances, that has changed in the last couple of years, but it should also be stated that there is no indication. None um, at all. No. None at all. That Mr. Thomas would have any intention of changing her evidence whatsoever. And that piece you mentioned in the Sunday Times, I, th- I think in the detail of it, there was no indication in any of that either whatsoever. So, but I mean, people are going to speculate on various things inevitably. Um, with re- in regard to the Gardaí, there's no question that was the case, Eamon, that there, there was, um, a young man, he, I think he was, well, no, young he was at the time, but he certainly was somebody who was, not, didn't have a permanent address in that. And he was known to Mr. Bailey. And there was that interaction with the Gardaí. There was all sorts of cloak and dagger stuff. There was definitely, um, I think cannabis given to him. And there was a suggestion that he was being induced to get Bailey to confess. Um, not only that, but in the investigation in, um, into uh, phone tapping that originated in this case that turned out to be a national thing. There was suggestion that the, the, the judge who sat on the tribunal said that the, the, some calls would suggest that there was an intention to pursue Bailey in that manner. He didn't say definitively that it had happened. But I suppose it also has to be put in slightly different context too. And that is 1996, West Cork, uh, a violent murder for whom there is no obvious suspect. I mean, yes. that was really, I don't know, the first time some people suggest going back to the War of Independence when you had anything of this nature there and therefore whether, quite obviously, the local Gardaí would not be accustomed to it and whether they were equipped 
to deal with the matter properly. And then you had a few other things, particularly the, 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 the pathologist at the, at the time was 24 hours late through no fault of his own. He was overworked and dealing with other cases. So there was, yeah. the, and, and there was issues like, for example, people were allowed to, um, cross over the crime scene in the hours after. There was a lot of things like that that added up to ensure that it certainly wasn't a rigorous examine, a, a investigation. One other element there that has been cited a few times, and that was once the spotlight came on Mr. Bailey, and this I think is, is a fault of other guard investigations too, immediately all other avenues of inquiry yes. in terms of possible suspects were closed down and the concentration was on Mr. Bailey despite what in retrospect seems like relatively flimsy evidence. So that was another fault with it as well at the time. And between all that, you know, all of that has added to the controversy around this case and how it was investigated from day one. And finally, Mick, uh, it should be pointed out that uh, Mr. Bailey has welcomed this cold case review. And indeed, last week it, it emerged, where in fact Mr. Bailey announced that he was selling T-shirts bearing his image to finance a podcast he plans to make on the case. But he welcomed, as I say, the cold case uh, review. Jim Sheridan uh, made a five-part Sky documentary, Murder at the Cottage, and there was a very successful podcast, West Cork, and there was also two other uh, TV series, one of them on Netflix, yeah. Um, Bailey is, a, I suppose, as I said before, an odd bod, but there's no evidence that we can rely on, is there, that he's a murderer? And there is some suggestion that perhaps Sophie Tuscan de Plantier was murdered by uh, someone known to her from France. That's been around, Damon, definitely. And you describe Ian Bailey as an odd bod. I think that's a very neutral way of putting it indeed, because he is certainly yeah. somebody, let me put it this way, that some might find difficulty in sympathizing or empathizing with him. Yeah. Um, he, he's also he, somebody. He reported on the case for the Sunday Tribune, Mick, where I believe you used to work. I, I, I absolutely not only that. He also reported. And I worked. I, 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 I still recall I was actually working in the Star in Christmas 1996. And I still recall, um, subbing. I was a sub editor, subbing his copy. And I still recall one day, the news editor looking up and saying, Jesus Christ, this fella who was filing for us is, um, is a suspect, you know, and it was yeah. quite a shock at the time. But he is, uh, look, he, he is somebody who, let's say, he, he's not afraid to let his ego blossom. Um, no. and, and he's been, he, he, he's been eccentric and what have you, and he enjoys the spotlight. Now, you mentioned the two documentaries, and what is interesting, I think, about them is that, you, you've the Sky one with Jim Sheridan, you've the Netflix one, the other one made. In their own way, they came down on the opposite sides of the fence, so to speak, right. as to whether or not Mr. Bailey has any case to answer. Jim Sheridan's one was relatively sympathetic to Bailey, and yeah. Mr. Mr. Plantier's family, I think, withdrew cooperation at one stage from it on the basis they felt that, whereas the Netflix one, seemed to focus very much on Ian Bailey and he attempted to have uh, parts he'd played in it 
to be cut out. I think he was unsuccessful in that. But they, they, they came down on opposite sides. The podcast you mentioned, West Cork, excellent podcast that was very neutral, I have to say, and, and yeah. gave a great uh, picture thing along. But all of that has, of course, added to the the spotlight on the case. And I would suggest that that also, along with the conviction and the fallout from it in Paris in 2019, allied to the communications from both Ian Bailey and Mr. Plantier's son to the Garda Commissioner, when you put all that into the mix, that all ultimately, I think, led to the decision for this cold case review. And we'll just have to wait and see whether anything can actually come out of it. Okay, well, it's an extraordinary story. It's a saga, really, and uh, we'll see what happens when this case is reviewed. May Mr. Plantier rest in peace. Uh, and if there are elements of this that we found humorous um, in tragedy, uh, there's often a touch of farce as well. We're very grateful to Mick Clifford, special correspondent with the Irish Examiner, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.